To you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God, but that which fell upon the good ground are they who in a good and perfect heart, hearing the word, keep it and bring forth fruit in patience. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Dear faithful, today we celebrate the feast of Sexagesima Sunday, which is Latin for 60 days, and represents the period of approximately that time, which separates us from Easter. The church, writes Don Gionje, offers to our consideration during this week of Sexagesima the history of Noah and the flood. Man has not profited by the warnings already given to him. God is obliged to punish him once more and by a terrible chastisement. There is found out of the whole human race just one man that God makes a covenant with him and with us through him. But before he draws up this new alliance, he would show that he is the sovereign master and that man and the earth whereon he lives subsists solely by God's almighty power and permission. This awful chastisement of the human race by the deluge was a fresh consequence of sin. This time, however, there was found one just man, and through him and his family, the world was restored. Having once more mercifully renewed his covenant with his creatures, God allows earth to be repeopled and makes the three sons of Noah become the fathers of the three great families of the human race. That this story is related to the Paschal mystery is evident that the church reads it again during the Easter vigil of Holy Saturday night, applying it in the liturgy to our Lord and his church. The just wrath of the Creator drowned the world guilty of sin in the vengeful waters of the flood, of the flood, excuse me, only Noah being saved in the ark. But then the admirable power of love washed the world in blood. It was the wood of the ark which once again saved the human race in that distant time. It is now the wood of the cross which offers salvation to everyone throughout the ages. Thou alone, says the church, speaking of the cross, has been found worthy to be for this shipwrecked world the ark which brings safely into port. The open door in the side of the ark by which those who enter were to escape the wrath of the flood and who represent the church are the prefiguring of the mystery of the redemption. For on the cross, our Lord had his sacred side opened and from this gate of life went forth the sacraments of grace, giving true life to souls. Indeed, the blood and water which flowed from thence are symbols of Eucharist and baptism. Thus we see that the great flood is a foreshadowing of the regeneration of our own souls by grace, which takes place through the water of baptism, and that the same element, water, is in a mystical way both the destruction of vice, for it washed away the evil men of the time of Noah, and the source of virtue in human life and affairs. But more important still is that Noah is a figure of Christ, since Noah was divinely appointed to father all succeeding generations after an age of sin. We are all children of Adam, but we are also all children of Noah. After surviving the flood, Noah became the new father of the human race, an image of human life renewed by the divine will of God. Now, however, it is Christ, much more than Noah, who is the true second father of all mankind. Of course, everything in the Old Testament, as the fathers tell us, points toward and prepares the new, and the New Testament, of course, is Jesus Christ. Noah, who is the true second father of mankind, in that Jesus, I'm sorry, our Lord, who is the true second father of mankind, 
much more so than Noah, because Jesus peoples the world with a race of believing souls faithful to God, drawn from all nations and all people. It was through the word of God that he made all creation in the beginning. And now it is through the scattering of the seed of that word, which we read in the gospel, that our Lord brings men to new birth in him. And in today's gospel, our Lord teaches us through the parable of the sower and the seed. It is one of the very few parables which our Lord himself explains. He took his disciples aside to explain it to them so that they would have no confusion concerning it. He did this also in order to teach us, yes, you and I, that we might have no excuse for not heeding his warnings and lovingly putting into effect his prescriptions so that the seed of his word might bear abundant fruit within us. Each and every one of us should consider ourselves addressed by this parable. St. Gregory the Great justly remarks, writes Dom Garanger, that this parable needs no explanation by us, since eternal wisdom himself has told us its meaning. All that we have to do is to profit by this divine teaching and become the good soil wherein the heavenly seed may yield a rich harvest. How often have we not hitherto allowed it to be trampled on by them that passed by or to be torn up by the birds of the air? How often has it not found our heart like a stone that could give no moisture or like a thorn plot that could but choke? We listened to the word of God. We took pleasure in hearing it. And from this, we argued well for ourselves. Nay, we have often received this word with joy and eagerness. Sometimes even it took root within us. But alas, something always came to stop its growth. Henceforth, it must both grow and yield fruit. The seed given to us is of such a quality that the divine sower has a right to expect a hundredfold. If the soil that is our heart be good, if we take the trouble to prepare it by profiting of the means afforded to us by the church, we shall have an abundant harvest to show to our Lord on that grand day when rising triumphant from his tomb, he shall come to share with his faithful people the glory of his resurrection. Dear faithful, the means that Holy Mother Church holds out to us now is this time of Septuagesima. The church, as a good mother, knows her children. She knows our inclinations, both good and bad. She knows of our tendency to procrastinate, to put things off. I'll just do that tomorrow. And so rather than allow us to arrive at the holy season of Lent without having given any thought to what special efforts and resolutions we are going to make during that time, she gives us this preparatory time of Lent so that we will not waste this Lent like we have done with so many before. She gives us this time so that with God's grace, we will begin in earnest to think of what practices we can undertake this Lent in order to receive the word of God in the fertile soil of our souls, which will be softened by the grace of frequent prayer and recourse to the sacraments, free from the choking thorns of sensual and worldly pleasures and cleansed of the rocks of our vices and habitual faults. What are some good practices? How about trying to attend Mass once more during the week, not just on Sunday, even if that gets, means get up early on Saturday or taking advantage of an evening Mass where we can find it? What about attending adoration, visiting our Lord and rendering homage to Him in the sweet sacrament of His love? 
What about trying to limit our extravagant and unnecessary spending and offering instead alms? What corporal sacrifices will we make to go along with these spiritual sacrifices? All these considerations, dear faithful, this is what the time of Septuagesima is for. Not just to consider them, but also to put them into effect. Let us not neglect to use this time well to make good, solid, concrete resolutions for Lent. Not too many, not too extravagant, but serious ones. Let us do this all in the company of our blessed, our blessed Mother, who gave us the eternal word according to the flesh. And so, having prepared for a worthy and fervent season of Lent, we might experience the joy of Easter, both here below, in the temporal Easter, and the eternal Easter, when we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord forever with him in heaven. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.